0: author of presidents and ufos which i absolutely love i love everything ufology i i don't like i as you said in your book a couple times or I, specifically about eisenhower and meeting with extraterrestrials that, at a uh, Holloman air force base your line you described it you know the idea that he went and got some dinner, then got, a, then got tooth surgery, and then was whisked off to go talk to estri- extraterrestrials and then comes back for morning mass. That's a pill a little bit too big to swallow. Those are the UFOlogy books I don't like. I love yours because it is as, it reminds me of Leslie Kane. It's as grounded and factual and you end every chapter with, and this is just speculation.
1: Well, thank you very much. Yes, That's sir. what I intended. Yes, sir. Uh, the uh, You mentioned something to me in your email concerning the... Uh, caretaker. Uh,
0: the caretaker?
1: Caretaker. The caretaker, which... Uh, get that out of the way first. That was... Uh, that was a, a very... Um, I would say troublesome uh report that came out that's uh unverified yeah but it did make it did make a big splash and that was that ronald reagan was briefed um by the cia at uh at camp david i believe and uh he was briefed by this character called the caretaker. Now, when I say he was briefed, I'm saying allegedly yes. he was briefed. And I'll inter- interject this right here. Um, as far as ufology goes, I'm a skeptic. Yes. Um, I believe without question, with the mountain of uh, of evidence that we now have, that Roswell was in fact an extraterrestrial
2: event
1: but there are some other fantastic stories that float around out there not some, a whole lot that I'm very skeptical of and so I think I made that clear in the book Uh, I'm not going to deny anything um, but until there's enough fact even if it's just circumstantial uh, I'm going to look at it with a sort of a crossed eye, if you will. Yeah. But anyway, as far as the caretaker goes, um, he was supposed to be the one that uh, for the CIA that uh, briefed Reagan. And on uh, the extraterrestrials, how many races there were visiting us and so on and so forth. Um I'm skeptical of that it could very well have happened but it's and, and the thing uh, that sort of got me and the reason I did cover it is that it did have a reagan tone to it
2: Yeah,
1: the, the interview, the way the interview was conducted, it did it, it did seem very reagan so I don't know uh, so I put that in the book but anyway that's. that yeah. uh, just wanted to
2: wanted to touch on that.
0: Sure. Yeah. For everyone listening, that's um. There's so there's a video that came out a little while ago, and it's about Operation 8200. Not to be confused with Unit 8200, which is the Mossad's sort of NSA equivalent or Israel's NSA equivalent. Operation 8200 was the whole remote viewing program under the CIA, and it allegedly can, and it's it's one of those. It's almost a little too sexy, which is why I'm way too speculative of it. You know, yeah. UFO sightings, something like the Phoenix Lights or the Hudson Valley, It's those are like, you can corroborate those. The remote viewing and the idea that there's four underground UFO bases, kind of 2001, a space odyssey-ish, beaming something to something, it gets a little too wild. But the thing that just triggered my mind was, when i was going through your book and it's you know allegedly there's a man that's been in, was in charge from 60 to well at least until reagan named the caretaker who is the head of all uh i guess official ufo or ufology you extraterrestrial contact and ufo materials of the cia when he said caretaker it just more than anything it just it jogged my mind because i had just listened to that video and it was the joseph McMonagall saying Uh, caretaker care and I just it it made something link in my so I sent you an email last night not really thinking twice about it but yeah let's just get that out of the way um your book I I would like to think that I am somewhat well read with UFOs I like I would there was a lot in there that I had not ever heard that I really appreciated and it's right off the bat FDR that letter from FDR about celestial devices that made that gave me goosebumps. It's for for everyone listening. I, I don't I don't want to pull up your book and play it on Audible because I'm I'm afraid I'll get hit with copyright. Can you can you just fill can you fill everyone in listening about the letter from FDR?
1: What was it now?
0: In chapter one, there's a yeah. you, you mentioned a letter from FDR, and I believe he's right. talking. To, I believe he's talking to Vannevar Bush, possibly um, Henry Stimson, but he's going on about um these it's it's right after you bring up the um the la air raid and you talk right. about how prior to the la air raid or it may be in response to it fdr wrote a letter and he's talking about a recovered craft prior to the la air raid la air raid and this alleged craft which i think you said edgar hoover said was in um was in la or not sorry louisiana these are both multiple Oh, yeah. you're
1: talking about the uh, Cape Girardeau Missouri crash.
0: I think so, but it it has to do with the FDR letter regarding the LA air raid. The whole thing of which is the the and the important part is, is it's 6 year 6 to 5 to 6 years before uh Roswell in 47. But it's FDR talking about and the letter ends with the narrator does a great job whenever he's reading as a different president or a as Prime Minister or someone, he he does the voice. He does their impression of their voice, which is fantastic. He does Nixon, Clinton. He does Churchill, but he does FDR. And he's reading it and he's talking about, uh, "I disagree with with the idea that we should share this technology with our allies, the Soviet Union, and right. instead that we should keep this to ourselves because the power held within this celestial device." We can go in... He says something along the lines of, we can research it fully after the war. First, we need to win the war. And he even mentions that first we need to win the war and complete the atomic program. So it's not just FDR's eloquent way of, you know... Because FDR would call an A-bomb a celestial device, right? It's... But he mentions a celestial device, and it's in response to the L.A. Air Raid. I should have I should come prepared. I should have printed out that letter.
1: Uh, I know the letter you're talking about, and when he... Uh... I think that was to uh general Mon- uh, general um, uh, Marshall I believe um, that he told him at some point that when we are successful uh, with the war effort you'll have all of the money and resources you need to um, I'm paraphrasing to uh to go into this uh uh matter uh in depth or something along that line but uh yeah i i I don't i can't recall the letter the word for word but uh i think he did refer to a previous uh wreckage discovered and that and if that's the case it would have been i think the cape Girardeau event of uh, 1940, I believe it was, and the Reverend uh, Huffman, uh, that his uh, granddaughter uh, later uh, spoke about. But anyway, um, yeah, the, the the letters that we have uh, are not official letters. I mean, as it, such, they're not authenticated. Sure. Uh, they've been worked on by uh, Dr. Robert Wood Mm -hmm. and his son Ryan Wood Uh, Dr. Wood was uh, uh, worked for McDonnell Douglas Corporation for I think about 40 years Uh, and uh, he became very involved with the uh, extraterrestrial matter and when he retired uh he took up the position uh that he wanted to get all of these letters all of these documents that had been collected and go through them to authenticate them so dr wood is uh, the one that uh, has all of this stuff and has gone through it and uh, handled the forensic on, on them uh as far as uh authenticating them and um, sometimes the only thing you can do is look for letters that came out of the 40s say and see if that words are used like they would have used them in the 40s yes um swell would be a word that was popular in the 40s and this that type of thing yeah so they carefully went through that. Of course, if, of course if they had originals, uh, they could check the watermarks. Yeah. But uh, most, all of the stuff was copies. Yeah. But anyway, that's uh, uh, he gives uh, uh, Doctor Wood gives that letter in particular a very high level of confidence.
0: Which is, which is yeah, which is what makes my spine tingle. It's same with the Majestic 12 regarding uh James Jesus Angleton and uh Lancer, the secret service code name for JFK. Right. The thin layer chromatography they did on the red ink and they gave it their highest uh rating of verification. That again, I thought I was well read on ufology. But that letter between yes from MJ1 to MJ2 regarding when uh, again, I I don't want to play because I think I'll get my channel yanked if I play the audio. It's when matters in Washington are non-conductive to our advancements regarding alien craft and we can no longer dissuade them, them being presidents or other Washington officials, from interfering or looking into our information, the situation should become wet. Wet obviously being an allusion or not allusion, alluding to the KGB-derived term "wet works," which is a euphemism for assassination.
2: Right.
0: And that was, and then what was it? Was it, what, was it? November twelfth, nineteen sixty-three. JFK. So that letter happened. That between them, saying it should become wet. After that letter, JFK. I don't remember how long. I just remember chronologically, it's after that. There's a letter from JFK requesting information on UFO for both NASA, or I guess it was NACA, and the White House. And 11 days later, the situation becomes wet in yeah. Dallas, Texas.
1: Yeah, that's... Uh, um,
0: Again, speculation.
1: Yeah, Bob Wood just said that's, that group of of documents, memos, are called the burn yeah. memos. Yep. And um, uh, that's if that is if that memo is accurate, if it's true, that's about as explosive a document as we have. Yeah. Because that would tie the government into the assassination of President Kennedy because he was going to release uh to the Russians, to mm-hmm. the Soviets,
2: mm-hmm.
1: what we had on UFOs, what we know knew about UFOs. And, uh, of course, the Russians were supposed to do the same in return. Um, and uh, Kennedy's um, idea was that um, a year or so earlier, we had gone into a uh, condition... I don't know, the very, I can't recall the various levels of uh, uh, condition red or what have you for the military because a group of what was thought to be missiles were traveling at like 18,000 miles an hour uh, somewhere heading toward the Arctic Circle or in that area, and uh, we were sure that it was Soviet missiles. Well, fortunately, we found out that they weren't Soviet at all because the Soviets, they saw the same thing. Yeah. Excuse me.
0: No, you're quite all right. Yeah, it's the military dropped to a a lower DEFCON level because they saw this wave of what would at the time have been um, one of the things we were scared of in all thermonuclear war was one idea was the boob attack, B-O-O-B, bolt out of the blue, just a random Tuesday at 11 in the morning, just fire 30,000 nukes, right? And it seems like that's what they're worried about. But as you were just saying, it wasn't wasn't the Soviets either.
1: No, um, they were... UFOs, yeah. unidentified flying objects. what they were. yeah that didn't mean, of course, as uh, people always identify UFOs as meaning they're extraterrestrial. That's not the case. They're just unidentified objects. So, uh, but in any case, that's what they were. Kennedy was worried that a mistake like that could happen again. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to have a relationship with the Soviet Union uh, to prevent uh, a catastrophe,
2: yeah. which,
1: it, of course, it would have been. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's how that occurred. And so that's the thought behind uh, uh, Kennedy's thinking and the reason for his assassination. mm mm-hmm. That's again, that's speculation, but a lot of parts or pieces of the puzzle do fit together.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, And uh, we know that the uh, intelligence agencies were not at all happy with what Kennedy wanted to do. No. um, Understandably. Yeah. So, anyway, that's the, that's the, Conspiracy theory, uh, one conspiracy theory behind the uh, the Kennedy assassination.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's and it's some, something something uh, Dan Carlin mentions in uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History podcast, which is fantastic. He does one on the Cuban Missile Crisis, and he talks about how JFK was. This is like, I'm quoting like a quote of a quote of a quote of a quote. Dan Carlin said that JFK said. He had read a book. I don't remember. It's um, it's something it has the the book has August in the title, but it's it was written after World War One, and it was between these two generals. And they're saying, "How did it all happen?" And they said, "Ah, if only one knew," because the entire World War One, it's painted as this thing that we kind of stumbled off this cliff in the night, and it was like once it started, it couldn't be stopped, and. Kennedy quoting that book to I think McNamara or possibly Lemay or maybe even Bobby Kennedy was whatever comes of this crisis in in a hundred years and whoever remains and whatever remains of civilization I hope that they don't look back to '63 and say how did it all happen and say ah if only one knew so it just goes to paint that Kennedy did have that fear of this thing sort of just stumbling into it. And what would be a greater fear than a group of objects coming at 18,000 miles over the horizon, 18,000 miles an hour over the horizon? It paints it perfectly. And right. yeah, and you also noted in your book, it's back to back, right? Because Kennedy wanted to share this with the Russians. But Eisenhower was also optimistic, right? Overly optimistic about, or not overly, he was relatively to other everyone else, he was more optimistic about we don't, they don't have to be our sworn enemies. They don't have to be the boogeyman right and it seems that to the intelligence community and again I know, ta- I know i'm i'm word vomiting right now but i love your book is talks about the sort of mindset of post world war ii secrecy and you said that it was responsible to keep it quiet because the global uh mass psyche uh the mass psyche the mass consciousness was very very fragile 85 million dead the whole world turned over two atomic bombs and now two years later, some UFOs are showing up. The presidents were like, hey, let's just, you know, let's, let's put it in the closet for a, a decade and then we'll bring it out. But it seems like it kind of took off. And what started with good intentions, we see it snubbed to Eisenhower and to John F. Kennedy. No, we're not going to share this with the Russians. No, this can't be, this isn't going to be all, you know, the land of milk and honey. This is going to stay quiet.
1: Yeah, well, the the in the early years with Truman especially, and Truman was dead center in all of this. Um, and I think if uh, Majestic Twelve uh, is uh, true, if there was or is still a Majestic Twelve, it's probably not called by that name, but truman set that up uh truman was the one that set up um the uh, cia uh that was during the pardon my my mind escapes the uh it was all
0: 47
1: yeah yeah which established the uh, air
2: force
1: as as an independent agency or independent arm of the military rather than being part of the army um and so, Truman, the presidency, had great control. In fact, I think the presidency was at the peak of control mm-hmm. then. Um, but as this UFO issue grew, also growing with him, was greater... Uh, Controlled by outsiders, and greater money, large amounts of money became involved in the whole UFO issue, um, and slowly the power was taken away from the executive branch, just slowly drained off the executive branch, and taken uh, over by the intelligence community and and this is a big one and the uh, uh, industrial yep. part of uh, the country the, the military uh,
0: industrial complex
1: yeah and the uh, and they have a great deal of power now uh, I think the uh, uh, the industrial Uh, people carry or handle intelligence better than even our government does. Absolutely.
0: absolutely. Private corporations, proprietary knowledge, they're way lock and key. That stuff disappears. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the military-industrial complex is uh, is extremely powerful now. Um, And one reason is they've been given... Such high-level, top-secret, above-top-secret information has been turned over to them, and which eliminates the um, <clears throat> government from being I mean, coming under the Freedom of Information Act. Yep. So this is held by the uh, like people like Bob Bigelow, yeah, Bigelow Aerospace, yep, yep. who's. A major player in all of this. So um, that's what you have. You've got anyway. Going back to the point, the power was taken away from the president or uh, the or uh, the executive branch. Uh, Eisenhower saw it, and I think it's clear that that when Eisenhower was talking about the influence of the military-industrial complex, yep. that's exactly what he was referring to. Absolutely. Um Then uh, Let's see Kennedy came to power We know that story What was going to happen there Uh Johnson came in Then to power And I think that's really when The uh, Intelligence community Uh And the uh, military industrial complex Um really started taking over because (laughs) this is just my opinion i think that johnson knew had a good idea of what happened to kennedy yeah i think he was scared to death of the subject he didn't want any parts of it okay uh and consequently he was willing to just tell the, his intelligence people, you take it I don't want to know anything about it you know um, <laughs> I, Now it's yeah. my speculation, sure. but it does come from some uh, background that I think is uh, is worthy. Um, Nixon on the, on the other hand is another story but anyway, I think Johnson was uh, he was
2: Scary.
1: he was uncomfortable with it.
0: Have uh, Do you remember the com- – and just so you know, for this podcast, as I say with everyone, there's no – don't worry about staying on topic or staying on a string of thoughts. Just let it all out. There's no – there's no agenda. We had no chapters. We don't have any talking points. Just let it all fly out. Right. Um, Bill Hicks, the comedian who I believe died in 93, um, but he had a bit on um, on the power structure of the world. And his whole thing is about it. About the military industrial complex, but as you're saying this, I think you could use the same joke and just substitute Majestic 12. But he says, this is, he goes, This is what happens when you're elected. You go do your inauguration, you come back, and then a door opens up in the Oval Office, and you go down into this deep basement room, and there's 12 guys, and the, they're the 12 industrialist trillionaires that got you in an office. And they're sitting around a big, long wooden table smoking cigars. And you sit down, and they don't say a word, and a projector rolls down, and they say, Roll the film. And it's a view of the assassination of John F. Kennedy from an angle that is not the Zapruder film. And it looks an awful lot like it was from the grassy knoll. The projector rolls back up, and they say, any questions? And you say, no, sir, what's my agenda? But I could I could see that, because yeah. I could see LBJ just, I don't want it, take it, right? Because LBJ wanted the great society. LBJ was like, I'm going to build up the, all these social programs. I think he was just, take it, I don't want it. Take it and run. I do not want it, right? Let me put my name on the space program, right? Because LBJ was very huge in all of that. He took a lot of political capital in Sputnik. And, yeah, I mean, probably, again, all wild speculation. But, hey, here's money for the space race. Feel free to skim some off. Do whatever you want, right? The coffers are open.
1: LBJ took the path of least resistance from a political standpoint. Yeah. He was politically, he would do whatever was necessary to maintain his political power. Yeah. And, um, don't I think that's, that's clear? But as far as the UFO issue, uh, LBJ saw one very simple thing he had nothing to gain from it and everything to lose. So why touch on it? Just stay away from it.
2: Exactly.
0: Exactly. There's nothing. To, you're right. There's nothing to win. It was, it was a game of Russian roulette. But you're already a billionaire. It's like what am I, what am I betting, <laughs> right? It's, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I didn't even. I've, I, and I don't know how factually correct this is, but I'm pretty sure it is. But again, all speculation. To bring it back to Eisenhower, didn't Eisenhower request for a uh, like a briefing on what was going on at Groom Lake? And when was when he was denied, he threatened to invade the Nevada test site with the First Army.
1: Well, Eisenhower, Tommy, you got to—we all have to understand that as a military person, and uh, from his role as uh, uh, Supreme Commander Allied Forces, um, he was. Strict. He was on on security. In fact, one of his he relieved from command one of his good friends from an uh, from uh, West Point days. That was also a general, a well, brigadier general, major general, whatever. Um, he relieved him and sent him home uh, and reduced his rank. Because he was, he found out that this general had been in a bar, had too much to drink, and started talking about the invasion of Europe. Yeah. And um, really didn't say anything that, from what I've read, that was totally out of line. But the fact that he was talking about the invasion uh, of Europe. Uh, as far as Eisenhower concerned, was uh, off limits. Yeah, and so he relieved him and sent him home, and I think reduced him to a colonel. So that's the point being in the Eisenhower presidency, as it relates to UFOs or really to anything of uh, a classified nature, it's very difficult to find solid uh, evidence uh, because he was so attuned to security um, that he just didn't talk about things. So with Eisenhower, you have to put together a lot of uh, pieces of the puzzle to find out what's really accurate and uh, and what isn't because I tried to get some documents from the uh, from the Eisenhower uh, Library, and uh, the documents I wanted had been redacted, and I I couldn't get them. Uh, but that's not unusual. I did the same thing. I spent several days in the Johnson Library <clears throat> trying to find documents uh, on uh, on a number of things. Uh, uh, Primarily the uh, uh, Kecksburg, Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. uh, issue, UFO issue. And um, so I requested, I made a FOIA request for his uh, daily CIA briefing documents Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, during that period of time. And uh, of course, that was refused. Uh, so, uh, but Eisenhower is, is difficult. And, and as I said, you have to, in so many cases, you just have to use your, your own mentality Mm -hmm. to analyze the facts as they are and then come up with a reasonable conclusion such as you were talking about the, uh, uh, 1950. I can't remember if it was 54 or 53, uh, uh vacation in, uh, in Palm Springs
2: uh-huh.
1: where Eisenhower, uh, was supposed to have broken a tooth eating, eating, uh, fried chicken or yeah,
2: something. Yeah. Um,
1: and uh, had to be rushed to a dentist. And people say, "Well, that's baloney." He was taken to uh, uh, Muroc, which was later it uh, was Air Force Base uh, to see a uh, visit with uh, extraterrestrials, and mm-hmm. view their craft.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it it just didn't add up to me. And you you alluded to that that here the the guy after 8 p.m. that night they said that the press never saw him again until he went to church the next morning Sunday morning. Well I'm, I don't find that unusual. Yeah. The fact that he had to be taken to a dentist um, I don't know that that would have been uh, news that they anybody in the administration would want to put out his press secretary Jim hager for instance um, and if he did Oh, uh, I just, I just find it that unusual and hard to swallow that, as president of the United States, uh, he was not seen until after 8 p.m. on a Saturday night. He was supposed to have chipped a tooth, uh, gone to a dentist, but then other people say he was rushed off to Muroc to visit with extraterrestrials. He did that for how many hours, came back, crawled into bed, got a couple hours sleep after talking with extraterrestrial creatures, you know, laying next to Mamie and uh, um, then get up and go to church within a couple hours or so. And he just, uh, that doesn't add up. Now, the following year, when he went bird hunting mm-hmm. in Georgia, and he was missing for 48 hours, I think that story has some legitimacy to
2: mm-hmm. it.
1: And I think that UFOs were involved in that story.
2: Yeah,
1: that makes that makes some sense. But uh, the uh, the for, the previous years, that story just—I could be wrong. Certainly, I could be wrong. But, uh, that, that just doesn't
0: add up. Yeah, it it gets a little, yeah. it gets a little too, little too tight. But, to play devil's advocate, to, to play devil's advocate, if, if anyone would do it, and do it in a way that made it seem like it didn't happen, it would be Mr. Security. It would be Eisenhower, right? It, just, oh, that's very just true. To, just to play devil's advocate. I mean, didn't they have, didn't they drop, um, they dropped corpses of uh, fallen Americans who had already died from other battle wounds. They dressed them up in German officers. Oh, no, sorry. They dressed. Sorry. Excuse me. They took them, put them in American officers' uh, uniforms, and then put false uh, D-Day plans in their breast pockets and left the corpses in France so that the Germans found them and were like, "Oh, oh, look at this." We got these plans. Meanwhile, Normandy was going to happen. I mean, and as you said, relieved his friend. Eisenhower, he kept the lid shut. If anyone was going to do it, it would be Eisenhower. Hey, get this. They're going to think I went to get a tooth surgery, and then they're going to think I went to Mass the next morning. Again, I'm playing devil's advocate. But if anyone would do it, it would be, right? He would throw up a smoke screen.
1: Well, and he did a remarkable job. With it, because when you think of the amount of troops and ships and the logistics
2: yeah.
1: of making a, the D-Day invasion yeah. of Europe of France, um, it's it's incredible that it was done uh, by deceiving the Germans as they did, um, using Patton. Yeah. As uh, bait, yeah. um, having Patton command a fictional army—that um, was pure brilliance. Yeah. Not that Patton liked it.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> it, it was—it was pure brilliance because the Germans knew that Patton was their greatest field commander yeah. without question. Yeah, and they did not believe. That we wouldn't use yes. Patton in the in the initial invasion, and and has Patton running around to, with the uh, fields full of rubber tanks and and you know what have you? Yeah, uh, and that that uh, Patton, the Germans were convinced that the main thrust was going to be Patton at the Parti Calais. Yeah. Yeah. uh, And Eisenhower really was in control of that, and he kept a lid on it. It's amazing how you could keep a lid on that well. It's Um,
0: That many people.
1: They weren't stupid people. Although some people may say that Hitler was crazy, and that's Could very well be the case, but uh, uh, anyway, that's uh, Eisenhower was as far as security when he was he was just about the best,
0: cut above. And it's it, it yeah, it's it is crazy to think that he kept a lid on that. Yet the KGB had Klaus Fuchs inside the Manhattan Project. I mean, it's had like had it's it just he goes to show how well then again there are allies but still it's insane that yeah he kept a lid on it and um there's a great book by an author I'm having on Garrett Graff uh, Raven Rock it's all about the it's all about the um the relocation arc all the the nuclear bunkers from like really it's 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 pro- it kind of mirrors your book it's from FDR to Obama um it's all the nuclear bunkers. Great book. Fantastic book. But um What's the name of it? Raven Rock. R A V E N R O C K. I'll email it to you after this. It's um it's absolutely amazing. I, I love it. Oh, okay. um, yeah, that's good. Cool. It is is very good. It is it's all the nuclear bunkers. It's it's all things that like you learn and you're like, How did I not know this? But there it is, all declassified. Um, yeah. But he talks about um he talks about the A bomb, right? The Manhattan Project. And How few, and I believe you touched on this early on, you said people think the government can't keep a secret. They can, and they do keep secrets. The Manhattan Project, I think, probably the best example. Truman didn't know until, what was it, eight days after FDR died, he didn't know about the A-bomb. When Truman was in charge of a, um, a corruption, I guess, committee, and they go into this in Raven Rock, you touched on this slightly, but they go into it more in Raven Rockism, searching kind of sniffing out you know because the coffers were open during world war ii the cash was flowing a lot of people could have been stealing so he was going around right they're finding all right they are producing tanks they are building p-51s whatever found a lot of money going into somewhere in tennessee but nothing coming out what he didn't know is that he was on the trail of part of the manhattan project or what they called s1 and as he got closer and closer i believe it was I believe it was Henry Stimson it might have been it might have been General Groves someone approached him and said um don't don't go into this further you are you are basically barking up the tree of something that only three men in the world know of one is me and one is the president and there's another that you don't need to know but they were talking about the a-bomb but the fact that they held that to three and Truman didn't learn about it until he was president and Congress didn't learn about it until there was a blinding flash over a city, but to me that says that they, like you said, they can and will keep secrets, and yet yeah, to me it's I, I, they would never keep a, they would never be able to keep aliens under wrap or UFOs under wrap. I think they absolutely could, and they absolutely would.
1: Well, you, you touched on something that's that is a great interest to me, and that is that the government. Can keep secrets. Yeah. They can't keep political secrets. Yeah, because you got two parties or more. Yeah, then once each one wants to get the other one. Yeah. So political secrets are almost impossible to keep. But military secrets are something else again, and yeah. they can be kept. Yes. And they are kept. Yes. And you know, an uh, interesting uh, uh, side point talking about the uh, Manhattan project the um, um, I'm trying to think of uh, why can't I think of it Oak, uh, Oak, Ridge. Oak, Ridge, Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Ridge Tennessee I just couldn't Oak Ridge Tennessee was using making and using more than 10% Yep. Of all of the power used by the rest of the United States, <laughs> yeah, think about that. Yeah, ten <laughs> percent, and how do you keep that sacred?
0: Yeah, that's it, that, that's one. I that's an actual that's an example I always point to when talking about UFOs. Is that
1: yeah. is
0: that ten percent of the power? And not only that, I had on Dwayne Hughes um, in July, who was a thirty-eight year veteran of Sandia National Lab. And we talked about the Manhattan Project, and he said there were over a hundred and fifty and he made a very important distinction. He said there were over a hundred and fifty thousand people that worked on the Manhattan Project that didn't know they were working on it, and he said you gotta you gotta pick that statement apart. It's not that they didn't know what they were working on. let's say you work in the Air Force, I'm developing." radar absorbing material, but it's compartmentalized. I have no idea what it's going on. Is it a B-2 bomber? Is it a helicopter? Whatever. That would be I didn't know what I was working on, but I knew I was working on something. 150,000 people worked on it and didn't even know they were working on it.
1: Yeah. I guess they knew that they were working on something highly classified because they they were in a um, Oak Ridge was a city in itself. Yeah. With schools, churches. I don't think that people were allowed to leave. No. That. I don't think they were allowed to leave Oak Ridge. They it weren't. Well, they worked there. They weren't. And the uh, children, everybody, they remained in that city. They were locked city. in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, that's really amazing, but yeah. Uh, Anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah, the yeah. government can keep secrets.
0: Uh, Richard Rhodes touches is Richard Rhodes. I think it might have been Bill O'Reilly in his book "Killing the Rising Sun." But they're they're talking about like the actual because yeah, you have Sandia, you have Oak Ridge, Tennessee, Lawrence Livermore, and you had all the places where they were making the enriched fissile material. But out in out in Nevada, where the actual the core, of the scientists were, where they were a lot like the Japanese internment camps. They they were in their own little town. They had a church. Right, they had maternity wards. People were having babies. Actually, birth weight was really high. But they had bars. They had um, theaters where all the, including uh, Oppenheimer, they would all go play roles. You know, Romeo and Juliet or Hamlet or whatever. They would they would go. Um, they would do these things. Um, Macbeth. They would because that's that was their entertainment. All the while, at the edges of the town, were double electrified barbed wire with guard towers. And it was to keep out as well as keep in. You weren't Definitely. leaving. That's that's insane to think about.
1: Well, yeah, it really is. And, of course, in New Mexico at that time, it wasn't just the atomic bomb. It was the air experiments with V-2 rockets yep. and missiles. Yep. And... Um, a lot of other things i I don't know i'm I'm sure they experimented with uh gases out there, although sure. that was primarily uh, uh, Utah uh, yeah. names I have a hard time getting remembering names that I'm very familiar with uh, to me but uh anyway uh Nevada oh the tests test site like Nevada, which is uh grim leak not not important to but anyway that's 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 where they uh, had uh, testing of uh, chemical biological uh-huh. weapons
0: yeah VX
1: gas. Uh, and uh, that's a scary place
2: yeah
1: uh, no question about it which i happen to think is uh, getting off the subject but uh that is more likely to house uh, UFO artifacts than p- perhaps uh, s4
2: mm-hmm.
1: area 51 s4 uh, because it's 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 a million acres mm-hmm. of government property
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's absolutely no one can enter mm-hmm. I mean it's it's just as well-guarded as, uh, as area 51, uh, uh, probably better. So, um, but, uh, anyway, that's again, is sort of a, something that I, that I believe that, uh, not necessarily other people do. They, they rely on area 51. I, I always thought, think that, uh, it's possible that area 51 is a good, uh, piece of disinformation yep. that the government uses
2: yep.
1: so that they'll stay away from other places like Utah Dugway it's Dugway
0: Dugway yeah uh,
1: and uh, Dugway is an ideal I mean that's that's remote not that Area 51 isn't but that's highly guarded uh, I was looking forward to when I was uh before I retired, I was military sales manager for a company in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I was scheduled to go to Dugway Proving Ground, uh, because we sold to the Navy Lodge program, uh, back then. And as a matter of fact, I had an exclusive contract with the Navy Lodge program, Uh they could do that because they were operated under uh, non-appropriated funds, but I was scheduled to go there, and uh, uh, it never it never came about. Uh, some others went there. I re- I was in the area of retirement, and they had to put off the meeting and. When it was rescheduled I was retiring, so I didn't get to go but I was looking forward <laughs> to getting on that getting on that base.
0: Yeah, that's where I think I think you said it perfectly. I think Area 51 is a perfect smokescreen, right? What better way than to keep this boogeyman out there that has everyone's eye on it? Almost kinda like Patton, right? Yeah. Patton. Patton the boogeyman with the big inflatable tanks. Maybe they have some inflatable UFOs out there, <laughs> you know. It's right.
1: <laughs> but it's Boy, Patton hated that. Yeah, he
0: did, but yeah. He
1: hated that. Oh, he was... But... Yeah. <laughs> like they say in the movie, George, it's your own big mouth. That is, can yeah. I know I'm a Casanova. I
0: know that. I'm sorry. Right? <laughs> yeah, he's yelling and yelling and yelling. He's, yeah, one of my favorite movies. Oh, it's brilliant. I love Patton, yeah. Give me 400,000 gallons. Yeah. It's... <laughs> but yeah, he is... Pat, Patton was smart. Patton said, just you watch. He said, Eisenhower will be president. He was just you. Man. Watch. You might really like that book, Killing Patton, by Bill O'Reilly. It's Bill O'Reilly's ghostwriter. It's not Bill O'Reilly. Whoever his ghostwriter is is fantastic. But um, yeah, it's one thing I was thinking is you you said S four, right? Which is it's supposedly Papoose Lake where um where UFOs are, which is where allegedly Bob Lazar worked. Isn't that kind of weird that the Manhattan Project was S one? That's S four. Is that just coincidence? Am I looking too into it? Yeah. A little interesting.
1: There are a lot of uh, strange things that seem to be coincidences that probably are not coincidences at all. Um, I must admit, I'm fascinated by the intelligence community and security. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love doing research on the book. Yeah. I love going to presidential libraries and going through their their documents. And I'll I'll say one thing about presidential libraries. I was really apprehensive going to the first one, um, because I thought if I requested information on UFOs, flying saucers, that they were gonna look at me like I was a disease. Yeah. But it was the absolute opposite. Really, they bent over backwards to give me, get me what I wanted. I mean, it was just, it, it was incredible. And they, the, the assistants there in the uh, uh, presidential libraries would come out with carts full of boxes full of files. Now, to find the right file, that's difficult because you're talking about millions of documents. Yeah. but. Going through the files, um, you really could come across some very interesting things. Um, Like I said in the book, I found um, a letter or letters from Donald Rumsfeld, who was Uh Jerry Ford's chief of staff, Uh to uh, 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 Major uh, Donald Kehoe. Uh Uh-huh uh on ufos and back and forth letters uh so that's not a real smoking gun but it's it's an interesting fact yeah um and i think that rumsfeld was one of the people in government that knew a great deal yeah uh about the subject yeah but anyway yeah it's that, well, I yeah. digress. Yeah,
0: that whole that whole I ha- I've had on a guy before, Dale Comstock, who was in Delta Force and then worked for the CIA. But he describes he says once you get to the upper tiers of the intelligence world, it turns into a a foggy forest of mirrors. Yeah. I love that imagery—a foggy yeah. forest of mirrors. It's
1: I, I, it's exactly right. I'm, I'm I believe that completely.
0: It just disappears. Uh, it fades. It doesn't drop. It just. It starts to, you know, it's not like a road that all of a sudden ends. It's a road that splits into two, that then split into dirt roads. One turns into a bridge. One turns into a <laughs> tunnel. Another turns into a ferry. And they all kind of break off. And it's like, where the hell is it going? And it just disappears. It's yeah. it's, it's brilliant.
1: You know, one of the, and we are skipping around now. One Who, of cares? The, Who cares? Who cares?
0: Do whatever we want, well, man.
1: <laughs> One of the funniest incidents that I—it it was funny and what—it's it, not funny, but yeah. um, the um, Project Blue Book, yeah. you know, um, they went to. Uh, well, I'm I'm trying to go back and recall exactly the events that, that led up to it, but but they uh, were involved in having uh, an outside agency study the UFO issue and uh, make a report back uh, to Blue Book or to the government. And uh, so the, the government sent out feelers to various universities to see if they would be willing to do it. And They were turned down by a number of universities. I think Harvard, uh, Northwestern. USC. Uh, Yeah. And finally, the cash star University of Colorado, Denver, said they would do it for $50,000, $500,000. That's what they they were going to pay the university to do five hundred thousand dollars. So Colorado said they'd do it and turned it over to Edward Condon, which ended up being the Condon Report that yeah. we know now, which killed Project Blue Bull. Yep. Because I mean we know from the beginning that Condon had his mind made up before he even started yeah. started the thing.
0: It's all yeah, it's all debunked. It's it was, nothing.
1: Uh, he just thought it was baloney. He yeah. wasn't interested in it. He made fun of it. Yeah. Terrible man to have in charge of doing a, a so called unbiased research program.
0: Or the perfect man, depending on who you are.
1: Yeah. So, Condon, uh, after two years of study and getting reports together by his staff of people, who most of whom disagreed with him some of which he fired because he disagreed with it. And they, they they saw what was going on. But in any case, the report came out in four parts. The first two parts were written by Condon himself, and the second, last two parts were written by the people that worked under him, uh, which uh, was far less damning than than when Condon wrote. And in essence, Condon said, it's nothing to this, uh, but it's baloney. It's mm-hmm. it's nothing to it. The government needs to get out of it completely. It's nothing but a, a hole to throw money down. It's it's totally not worthwhile.
2: Yeah.
1: So they issued the report. The uh, Project Blue Book is scrapped. Now, at the same time, just up the road, and...
2: Colorado Springs, the Air Force Academy. Yep.
1: The Air Force has a uh, physics textbook. Yeah. Physics whatever. Yeah. Um it's all in my book. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Chapter it's yeah. The, what is the book? What is the chap not not in your book, but their book. What is chapter thirty three or thirty
1: uh, six? chapter thirty three. Yeah. Which is uh unidentified flying objects. <laughs> yeah. And the summary of that, and anybody can look this up on the internet. yeah, the summary was that the subject of UFOs is to be taken seriously.
2: Yeah.
1: We may be visited by as many as four different extraterrestrial extraterrestrial races. Yeah. However, Um, don't take any position. Keep an open mind and uh, always keep an open mind and don't take a position on either side. Now, here, the Air Force Academy is teaching its students that there may be as many as four different races of extraterrestrials visiting Earth, while back in Denver, University of Colorado is correct collecting a half a million dollars by saying that it's nothing to it, but it's baloney. Yeah, now, you, you got to love the government the yeah, yeah. way they operate. Yeah. and shortly after that became public knowledge the book
0: was pulled from the shelves that that chapter was taken out of it. Yep. Yeah, it's... You gotta... Right, isn't that... Was it at the... um Somewhere in D.C. At one point, there was a building where on one floor, it was, uh, it was like, cancer awareness and cancer uh, research allocation to, like, the National Institutes of Health. And in the same building, and the floor above it was the department in charge of subsidies to tobacco companies. <laughs> it
2: was, Hell.
0: like, U.S. government, baby, just... You know, middle finger is just because, but it's granted it's all one entity. And obviously, for everyone listening, I love this country. Well,
1: but it's the it's... government, and especially the Air Force. And don't get me wrong, I'm a, I'm certainly pro military.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think
1: yeah. that I think the Air Force is a fantastic yeah branch of the government. Yeah, I I, I really do. But I think that they're handling. And not just that. The the uh, the government in general's handling of the UFO subject uh, has been really stupid. Um, the they've shot themselves in the leg so many times, doing so many ridiculous things uh, that. Uh, you know, it comes to mind the the other famous uh, Project Blue Book Special Report fourteen.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, without going into a long uh, background on that, it was commissioned by uh, uh, Project Blue Book uh, commissioned the Batille Memorial Institute, a mm-hmm. think tank in Ohio, to do a study of. Uh, the UFO or flying saucer issue. This was initiated by Project Blue Book's director at that time, uh, Captain Edward Ruppel, mm-hmm. and Ruppelt was behind commissioning the uh, Patil Memorial to do this study. And uh, and by the way, as a sideline, Rupelt was really was the first and really only real investigator that blue book had over the years.
2: Yeah.
1: He was very good. But anyway, he yeah. commissioned Batil to do this study. Okay. Batil uh, uh, worked on it for two years, two years, maybe a little over two years. And they, they released it to the air force. Very detailed study graphs and charts and all sorts of things. And it was a thousand pages long. So consequently, the Air Force couldn't afford, said they couldn't afford to print copies to distribute to news and yeah. all this, which is probably the truth. A yeah. thousand pages and doing that would be a very costly thing. But uh, then uh, Secretary of the Air Force, uh, Don Quails. Uh, had a a press meeting called a press meeting and to discuss this report that had just been released. He didn't say the report was made by Batille Memorial Institute. He really made it sound like the report was the Air Force had done it themselves Uh, Why why that would be the case, I don't know, Uh, because it would carry more weight being done outside of the Air Force rather than inside. But anyway, he tells the reporter, Patil studied 3,001 cases, I believe. Uh, You can correct me if I'm wrong there, but I think that's right. 3,001 flying saucer or UFO cases. And uh, according to uh, the secretary, he said uh, of those 3,001 cases studied, only 3% could not be explained as uh, something uh, uh, known Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, something prosaic. And of the three percent that could not be explained, it had, they had the worst supporting evidence, the least supporting evidence, and the worst, most unreliable witnesses. Now that's condensing a very long mm-hmm. thing going into this uh, that goes into this report. That's terribly condensed and anybody that wishes to do it can go online and find uh, Project Blue Book Special Report 14 and they can read all thousand pages online. It's right there. Now, what came out, what we actually found out, actually Stanton, Stanton Friedman found this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, I miss yeah. a great deal. Yeah.
0: Rest in peace, Mr. Friedman, Dr. Friedman.
1: Yeah. No, not doctors. He doctors. Makes, he always made that clear. He okay. said he, he had a master's degree okay. in uh, in in physics. But uh he had he had was friends with uh um, oh shoot. Heinick McDonald, McDonald uh, J. Allen Heinek the physicist uh so.
0: Michio Kaku, uh Carl Sagan. Stan Friedman?
1: Yeah, Carl's sake. Yeah. He was was friends. They went to uh, University of Chicago together and uh, studied under Enrico Fermi.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Wow. And uh, every time they'd get together, Carl would give him the business about not getting his uh, PhD.
2: Yeah.
1: And he said, look, I didn't have the kind of money you had, Carl. I I had to work my way through college and by that time, after I got my master's degree, I figured I got to go work and pay some bills.
0: Gotta go get some income.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, anyway, uh, and Friedman, but Friedman was a smart guy. He was a yeah. member of Mensa.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, very very bright guy. But anyway, he found Friedman got a copy of this uh, Blue Book Special Report 14 and went through it. Sand was love charts and graphs and all that kind of stuff. Just loved it. And he goes through it and what does he find? He finds that Secretary coils his lie, his rear end off the actual number of unidentified cases that could not be identified was not 3% but was 21 and a half percent. As Friedman says, it's kind of hard to round off that number from three to 21 and a half. And those cases, and this is in a chart right in the report from Batil. the 21 and a half percent had the absolute best witnesses, the most detailed background. Uh, and the witnesses were of the highest caliber and it gave details that were explicit yeah. in nature. Yeah. So once again, the Air Force shot itself in the foot. I mean, it's, it's, it's just so ridiculous when you look at how they've handled the entire UFO question. Yeah. That fortunately seems to be changing now. Yeah. But um, it's been a long, long hard row, and it we're still not there yet. But uh, just another example of yeah. the, the, what the Air Force did in concealing uh, the UFO issue from the public.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, it, it could very well be, and I think it is, that another reason they don't want to, certainly they don't want to, con- they don't want to. They have not wanted to reveal what they really know about it is because they don't want to Impotence. this is highly technical stuff, stuff that we can't even understand. But they don't they want to keep that the government wants to keep that in their possession. They don't want to share it with anybody. No. Well, I can understand that. But in doing so there have probably been crimes committed.
2: Absolutely.
1: I think, without a question, there's been crimes committed. Maybe even death involved. Well, people involved with that certainly wouldn't want it to get out, yeah. although probably they have gone, been yeah. no longer here. Yeah. Uh, Perhaps some still are. I yeah. don't know. But they wouldn't want that to get out either. And the government wouldn't want it to get out that their people working for the federal government had committed crimes. So that's another reason to keep the lid on the thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, but, again, we, we're we simply speculating.
2: Absolutely. And it's-
1: you know uh but i think it's reasonable speculation
0: yeah well yeah well yeah that's one that's kind of like a yeah a qualm i always have with people that kind of shoot down uh, ufo uh ufology is um say where are you getting this where where are you getting this where are you getting the information well you know at some point like okay if i'm learning uh if i'm learning pv equals nrt where am i getting that well i'm getting it from my chemistry book right if I'm learning this, that, or the if I'm learning about the structure of the cell wall, okay, well, I'm getting that from my molecular biology book. But at a certain point, all these things, where are you getting it? It all comes from someone who at some point didn't get it from anyone. They got it from first hand research, right? A Newton, a Lister, whatever. At a certain, you know, where are you getting this supersonic data from? Well, at some point, Chucky e. Yeager gets in a plane and does it, and it's like, that, okay. But you have to go out and get it. So... This whole appeal to authority, where are you getting this? Well, at a certain point, you gotta get it yourself. You gotta use your brain and start piecing things together. And it's not always gonna be handed to you on a platter. But that's a whole nother rant, a philosophical rant, right? But it's that being said, speculating, it seems like there are a couple uh primary factors. I think it's a straw man for um oh the government says uh we can't handle the truth maybe right after world war ii right maybe i could see that the fragile psyche but i mean it's 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 2020 i don't see that as a, they can't handle the truth right it's eh no there probably is what i think the real reason is is one it's impotence because if you're supposed to be what it was it um was it who was it was it uh, krus not khrushchev gorbachev our power comes from the illusion of our, or our power comes from the perception of our power. Well, if the U.S. government is where the you know the biggest baddest guys on the planet, and then you admit that UFOs are real, well, what are you really admitting? That there are physical craft that come into your airspace with impunity, whenever they want, in whatever numbers they want, come right over the White House, we will chase Air Force One. We'll we'll go shoot your ICBMs out of uh, right out of orbit. We'll go over and we'll shut down your missile silos. We can do whatever we want whenever we want. That is, I mean, um, Dr. Al Romet, who was the most recent head of uh, the most recent uncurrent head of uh, Skunk Works, said that one of the things we would do is we would wait until these little like dictators were giving speeches in South America, and then we'd bring in two SR seventy ones. And we'd cross over and do a double sonic boom just to let you know we're here and we can do whatever we want, right? So it was was a propaganda piece. It would let the people know, hey, you're not in charge, we are. So if the UFOs are doing that, and I don't think that's what they're doing, but it could be perceived as we are not the big guys on the block, right? So that's one reason. We don't want to admit that you're wrong because— all of a sudden what else are they gonna are people gonna start looking okay maybe China looks at us and goes maybe they're not as strong as we think they are that's one reason the second reason is and I think this is completely reasonable is it's a technology since the first sword since the first bow and arrow since the first cannon whoever has the best tech wins that's just across the board right Go and break up all the the heavy water plants in germany all their deuterium water why we get the a bomb we win game over japanese you're gonna fight to the death doesn't matter we'll send in two bombs you want a third like we'll, we'll serve it up for you it's who has that power right the soviets get it in 49 and all of a sudden we're kept at bay we put our missiles in turkey soviets put them in cuba right it's all about power stealth fighter power hypersonics power Operation Paperclip, who gets the most Nazis, V-2 rockets, whoever has that wins. If it's all power with super advanced technology, what is more advanced than a craft that got here from alleged or ostensibly light years away and has some power source? You know, all the metal, right? The metal from Roswell apparently is lightweight. You can't burn it. You crumble it up. It returns. It seems to be monotonically aligned. Bob Lazar says that it's anti-gravity, which is just power that you can't even fathom. If these are true, to me, that makes absolute sense. It'd be like, what if an atomic bomb fell out of the sky in 1905 and we still didn't know how to use it, but we could see what it could do? The first thing we would do is put it in the middle of a desert and then make that the most inaccessible place in the world. Because we don't know what it does. But we'll be damned if we let anyone else find out before we know that's what i think it is is it makes so much sense that and then to play into into uh, your thesis, what would happen private industry would take it over right and then they would start locking it down and if they somehow reverse engineer that are they going to pick up the phone and pentagon hey we figured it out or are they going Ooh, we're now the bee's knees we know how to make whatever you know, light, faster than light technology or zero point, and we know how to do this now. No, you're the big one on the block now. Now you're the best corporation. You should keep that quiet, keep it sealed. FOIA doesn't apply to you. I know I'm going on a little bit of a rant, but I think there are some very reasonable explanations for why it would be kept secret.
1: Oh, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think and there, there, there are several. And as you brought up, uh, the, for the government to come out and admit the military to come out and admit that there are vehicles that they don't know where they are from. They don't know who they are and they can fly at will in our sovereign airspace, space. And we can't do anything about it. That's another reason to keep the lid on because eh, People really don't want to hear that—that that we're defenseless against these things. And make no mistake, Tommy, and I think you know this well. The fact that they exist is now a fact.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes. It's
1: a, its an acknowledged fact now, yep. except for people that think the Earth is still flat. Well, well Earth is flat. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know. Uh, The the fact that they exist, the government has admitted it.
2: Yep, yeah.
1: The film released by the navy.
0: Yep, that forward-looking infrared. There it is. It's
1: it's from the Pentagon. There 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 are marvelous things happening now. Yeah, and I don't know what's behind it, but I like it. I love it. And and uh, so you know another point you were making about. uh, Technology and their adversaries and what have you. That was a question asked. I don't know what form it was, but somebody asked why will the government, the military, not sell F 22 Raptors to anyone, including our allies like Israel and Britain? But they'll sell them. F- thirty five. Yeah. And the answer was simple, but it did surprise me a bit. And it made all the sense in the world. The F-22 is a tactical weapon, they say, and I'm not sure how that works into the into the scheme of things. The F thirty five, although a newer aircraft, doesn't have what the f-22 has and that is the f-22 is superior to any other aircraft in the skies mm-hmm. any other aircraft by any other maker or government yes meaning we control the skies
2: yep, the f-22
1: controls the sky absolutely. we if we have f-22s up we win. We're the winners. Yeah. Period. Period. They're not going to turn that technology over to friend or foe.
0: No. Absolutely not.
1: So that's, I think, is a is an interesting point. I used to wonder, why, do, why are we selling all of our high tech?
0: F-35s, yeah, right?
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: that's why. It's because they're not the best.
1: That, that surprised me. And I like the answer to
0: Yeah. Yeah, but it makes perfect sense, right? Because you see F-35s on British aircraft carriers. I think Australia has some. Why are we giving them away? It's because it's, you know, they're good. They're not the best, though, right? Why don't we... Hey, does anyone else have a B-2 bomber? Nope, right? It's We don't give them to anybody, you know? I think we, we give U-2s to South Korea so they can look at the DMZ. Yeah. We don't give them... We never gave them an SR-71, right? <laughs> you know? Certain things you just don't know, and you're right. No,
1: I think that the uh, the B two bomber probably has a technology in it that's far beyond what we what we know. Uh, the stealth bomber.
0: Yeah, I had on a I had on a former B two pilot, episode one sixty one, Brigadier General Robert Spalding. We didn't talk about that. We talked about a book he wrote about China, but he flew the B two.
1: Oh, is that right?
0: Yeah, episode one sixty one, Brigadier General Roberts. I'll send it to you after this. It's uh he wrote the book Stealth War. He was in Obama's National Security Council. Now he works at the Hudson Institute. But uh yeah, it's it the uh, yeah, it wasn't about the B two. I asked him about it at the end and he said it's the most lethal weapon system ever. But yeah, let's go into that. B Two bomber.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it could be metallurgy, uh a lot of things. Uh, some things that are have been incorporated in the stealth bomber that are still highly classified, absolutely. Oh, uh, so, uh, I don't Did we retire the stealth bomber?
0: The B2? No, the F 117, we did. The B2 is still flying, and they're oh, okay. in development of the B21 Raider, the uh, the uh, replacement for the B2. Uh,
1: B fifty two still flying.
0: B fifty two still flying. They they're they're outfitting that. They re- they recently said they're gonna keep adding new avionics until twenty fifty. A hundred years. I was,
1: I was uh, while I was still living in Virginia. I uh, I'm in Texas now, South Texas. Uh-huh. But I remember heading back. My wife and I were heading back to Virginia after visiting our children here, and uh, I stopped in uh, uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, to get gas. Mm-hmm. And I was in the service station gassing up the car, outside gassing up the car, and I heard this sound. I mean, it was weird, strange, loud. I couldn't, I thought it was, something was going, it was verge, on the verge of exploding. And I looked up, and here comes a B fifty two flying right over my head, going for a landing at the uh, um, uh, what Air Force Base is that? in uh, in Shreveport, that's I think that's a home of the B fifty two. So one of them. Okay. Uh, a Barksdale. Is it Barksdale?
0: I'm not. I don't know enough. I think I'm, so. I'm not. An, I don't anyway, know enough to speak
1: That's about not important. That. Yeah. But that's I mean that's one strange thing. It was on the approach. Making the touch and go. Yeah. And that is one strange thing, even today, to look at that that rascal flying. That, it's it, that it, monster. It's a it, it's a hell of a vision. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's that thing is that and the B thirty six, right? That the Oh yeah. That is a monster as well. Yeah, the B fifty twos are insane. It's the b2s are crazy the b2 the b2s look they look if you ever watch like a video with them you just see them kind of coming from a distance they look eerie they look something doesn't like something something doesn't click in my brain when i see it i'm like that is what the hell is that <laughs> right it gets a little hairy it's
1: i i was playing golf with a good friend of mine back when i lived in virginia and uh, he's a retired Air Force bird colonel. He flew uh, Mm F-111s. Always told me, gave me stories about the experience flying F-111s. And we were were on the golf course playing golf and he came over and punched me on the arm and pointed up. And it was was a B-2 going into uh, going to I guess to Norfolk to Langley or, yeah. or somewhere because we were going right down on the Chesapeake Bay area of Virginia and that would be the approach going into to mm-hmm. Norfolk. Uh which has military bases all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's more, but uh, it, you look at that thing and you would think it was out of this world.
0: Absolutely.
1: That's- I mean it's 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 strange. It's a weird looking machine.
0: It's a it looks alien. Like it doesn't yeah, something doesn't... F-117 looks odd. It just kind of looks ugly. The B2 looks alien. It doesn't... The B2 looks like... Yeah, like that thing comes out of interstellar space. Yeah. Right? yeah. And then... It's, yeah, it gets... It gets crazy. It's... Right? Do you think that... Do you think that the, the Tic Tac... The the nimbus? Actually, before we get into that... Do you care if I go use the restroom real quick? Oh, go ahead. I don't know if you need to no go. Problem. Yeah, I don't, Yeah, I'll be right back. Feel free to talk or Maybe I'll, I'll do. Yeah, I'll do
1: the same thing while you're doing it.
0: All right, everybody listening. Fast forward 30 seconds to a minute. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs>
2: We are
0: back. Um, can you hear
2: me? Yep. Okay. Can you
1: hear me? Yep.
0: So, okay. So, um, yeah, like I said, I, I can keep talking. I'm, I'm, I'm in heaven right now. I'm talking to a UFO writer. Just If at any time you got to go, just you just tell me you got to go. We can do another one. But anyway, back into it. Do you think that the Tic Tac, the 2004 USS Nimitz... Do you think that was... I'm torn on that one, whether or not that... I think it happens, right? Because you have Commander Fravor talking about it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, of course you do. Um,
1: <laughs> the tick to, yep. the gimbal.
0: Yep, yep. Go fast, yeah. Now, do no. you with those... I have. Yeah, I'm 100% on that they happened. What I'm torn on with these two is... Is that out of this world? Or... Have we finally, have we finally reverse engineered the Roswell craft or any of them? Have we finally figured something out? And did we just make uh, a hundred year jump in technology?
1: Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I, I don't think, boy, that's, that's a, tough to go it on a limb here, but yeah, I don't, so I think we've made some tremendous strides, but I don't know that we could, that we now have anything that can accelerate from um, 60, 70,000 feet, whatever the thing was, down in a second or two yeah. to sea level. Interesting. Um, certainly, we haven't developed anything that can do that with a human inside of it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, no, I don't mean that. I mean, but imagine, but trying, yeah.
1: it, it, could we develop a machine that could do that? Uh, it, I guess it's possible. I, I, I think it's a little bit outside of the envelope, but it's, you know, I, in this subject, I don't rule anything out. Yeah. But, I think it's unlikely that we would be doing that if it was something that was extremely secret, uh, which this would be, in front of a bunch of witnesses, even though they were naval officers, enlisted men, uh, if they wanted to keep it quiet. Um, It's just like people would say, all... UFOs are uh, either misidentified or they're secret government uh, vehicles and operations. And my comment back is uh, there's no doubt that some are. But there's also no doubt that some aren't mm-hmm. because secret government developers. Uh, platforms, aerial platforms, would not be out uh, playing cat and mouse with a civilian airliner. Yeah, as they have done.
0: Yeah, Alaska, JAL. Yeah,
1: they have done uh, a number of times, and um, that just doesn't make sense. That's not going to happen. That they would be flown in airspace that's strictly prohibited. Mm-hmm. Um, like Area 51, and my friend that I was telling you about, this uh, Bird Colonel, um, when he was flying F-111s, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, he knew, and they did a lot of desert flying mm-hmm. out in the Southwest. Um, but they knew they had we they could not enter the restricted air space yeah. around the Nevada test site.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, that was an absolute no no that yeah. you get yourself in big time trouble.
2: Yeah. The,
1: if you did yeah. it. So that would be the place that you test
2: yeah. these
1: aircraft. Yeah, uh, I would think. Now Maybe because it was navy ships, and yeah, you know, maybe they they had some program if they were testing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, but um, I still think the best ec- explanation uh is that they are extraterrestrial in, of some nature.
2: Sure,
1: whether they're manned or unmanned, sure. or being occupied or. Being unoccupied. Yeah. So that's that's my take.
2: Yeah.
0: It's. Yeah, I was gonna say at the Nevada test site. Yeah, I remember watching a documentary and they're talking about all the obviously all the, all the airspace at the Nevada test site is highly off limits. Um, but then even for the test pilots within the Nevada test site, the Area 51 airspace, which is called the Box, that is off limits to them. So they say, as off limits as the Nevada test site airspace is to civilian uh, pilots, the box is off limits to us. If you they say if you fly in there, you'll be grounded, wings gone, done. So yeah. that would be the place to do it. But my, because I want it to be true, my devil's advocate is what. So we've established, right? So we're talking about F-22. Then we can kind of extrapolate that, uh, right? Our aircraft carriers, our radar, the SPY-1 radar. We would argue that we're the... Can you still hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. sorry. I thought, I thought you were, um, so were... So if we know that we're the best military in the world, what better way to test your new craft than to test it against the best? Because if you can beat the best... Then you can beat China, Iran, Russia. So why not go take that thing over a strike group, an aircraft carrier strike group? And again, all speculation. But hey, man, why not whiz it around there? And if you can evade them, if you can have them going in circles and scratching their head, then that is hey, it's a, it's great test data, right? Because you can go in and grab all that. It's unlike a normal test flight. There would almost be like a placebo Or there'd almost be like a double blind, like gold standard placebo test. Go do a test that the people don't know is a test, right? It could be, again, that's just my speculation. But it's, yeah, you're right. Why wouldn't we just keep that? Why wouldn't we keep that to ourselves over and put it in Nevada? But, I mean, if you think in 1964, right? When was the first SR-71 flight? Late 60s, mid 60s? What was that now? When was the first SR-71 flight? SR-71 Blackbird? 60s? Eh.
1: Yeah. I, I, would, I would think it would probably have been in the... around nineteen seventy something. Yeah. In that yeah. range, because, because we were flying...
0: We used them over Vietnam.
1: Yeah, we were flying U
0: twos. U twos were yeah, fifties and sixties.
1: I can't remember when Gary Powells was shot down.
0: He was shot down May first, nineteen
1: sixty.
0: Nineteen sixty? The yes, the U two. Um first SR seventy one flight. Let's uh look it up. December twenty second,
2: nineteen sixty four. Okay. Okay. So
0: no. yeah. My so my logic is go look at the other technology of nineteen sixty four, right? So a year a year and change after JFK died. Go look at the technology of that day, right? TVs, color TVs were I don't even know if that was a thing. TVs, those were a hot product. I mean go look at the newest cars of the time. Go look at the phones. Go look at all of that. And then look at the SR seventy one. Look at that gap. I now imagine, well, look at what our everyday technology is now. Like, Okay, what are we doing right now? We're talking over Zoom. I have a MacBook Pro in front of me with some 10 terabyte hard drives. I have an iPad right here to look up notes. If this is our, I have a 4K TV right here. If this is our everyday consumer goods, the B2 and the F22, I don't think are as relatively... Distant from this, as the SR seventy one is from nineteen sixty four technology. I think what would be equivalently mind blowing to us would be something like a tic tac. That's just that's that's my that's my argument.
1: Well, you could be right. the 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 tic tac is is different from other. Uh, UFO or flying saucers. I I love the term flying saucers, but yeah. UFOs yeah. because you know if you talk about a flying saucer, you talk you're not yeah. talking about yeah. You know, but uh, and it, it, the Tic Tac is is really like uh, nothing I've seen, and it, go back to. Well, not back to, but come forward from that. That was what uh, 2004, I believe. Yes, sir. And uh, 2012 was the gimbal, and I uh-huh. think that was off of the off Virginia, North Carolina. Yep. And the gimbal is more traditional
2: mm-hmm.
1: UFO flying saucer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um... And uh, of course, that did some miraculous things too. I don't know what the speed was that they calculated that that when that thing finally took off, yeah, took away from the the camera, yeah, uh, on the F-18. Uh, people say the gun camera. I don't think it wasn't a gun camera. It was, no, it was
0: a, a it was a targeting pod, forward-looking yeah, infrared. Yeah.
1: But um, anyway, when that thing took off and just shot off the screen, boom, it was gone um uh, so uh again uh I guess they could be uh they could belong to us but everybody says they. I mean the people that are supposed, supposed to be in the know uh like Hal put off now mm-hmm. and and uh, and, and melon mm-hmm. uh, these people say that, these things are not ours okay so that you know i don't know but i mean they could still be in the dark
2: yeah yeah you know yeah
1: it doesn't make any difference what your position is or how many stars you got on your shoulder
0: yeah they don't care
1: um uh, uh if you're not in the need to know you're not in the need to know
2: yeah yeah
1: and you're not going to know
2: yeah
1: um uh, Another interesting side light like to that, to what we were talking about, when I was uh, doing research in the uh, Johnson Library in Austin, uh, I found out that uh, uh, Admiral Bobby Ray Inman's
2: uh-huh.
1: office was with on campus there at the Johnson Library, within strolling distance. So I contacted his office and his uh, assistant secretary, whatever, got back to me and said that uh, regrettably uh, Admiral Inman would not have the time. To uh, to meet with me, and what I asked in the letter was, uh, I said something along the lines, "Dear Admiral, uh, I know you're extremely busy, uh, but I would like to discuss the issue of unidentified flying objects. I'm, I'm doing research in the Johnson Library for the next few days, and if you would grant me a few minutes, I promise you that." anything you say will remain that if you want it to remain confidential it will Um, and i am not asking you to divulge any classified information in any way i wouldn't do that but anyway i made it clear that i i was uh on the up and up unfortunately inland had a year or two or sometime prior had been on the phone with uh, an investigator. Mm-hmm. And an investigator secretly taped the discussion uh. and then put it out uh, for public uh, hearing. And he, Emman was really burned by that because he said some things that uh, would indicate that he was supporting the existence of extraterrestrials, sure. um, he backpedaled after this came out and saying what he was referring to was a submarine or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was clear that that was not not the case. So I think that burned him for giving anybody interviews. I don't know if he would have given me one anyway. But yeah. It's it's and I think that that the admiral. And knew as much about the uh, UFO issue as as anybody. I would yeah. think that that he would have been uh, part of uh, Majestic Twelve or whatever they may be called now. Mm-hmm. Maybe a lot more than just twelve involved. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I, just a bit of a yeah. sidelight to. Yeah. He didn't want anything to do with me, so.
0: Yeah. It. Yeah. It. I was gonna ask. So, are you going to uh, are you going to release a I guess an updated version of your book for um cause for the Trump presidency as well as as well as more importantly the the uh, the tic tac and the acknowledgement of the Pentagon late last year as well as this year that it is indeed not ours. I think I think you need to update the book, man.
1: I've. Uh i've given some thought to it i i don't know i i'm certainly not ruling it out and it sort of depends on my agent and publisher
2: uh-huh.
1: uh so uh you would just have to see what they uh if they uh me to do it uh i know when the publisher bought the book uh, they bought it, uh, St. Martin's bought it based on the uh, outline mm-hmm. that I would given them for a book and uh, paid quite well for it. Mm-hmm. Then, when I signed the contract, I had to go and write the book. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <that's, laughs> yeah. So that sort of put a monkey on my back. Yeah. But, uh, but I am fortunate to have uh, a top-notch uh, agent and uh, and the publisher uh, worked with me very very well I'm, I'm grateful to st. Martin's and, mm-hmm. and uh, mark Resnick's a uh, executive uh, editor at uh, st. Martin's they just did a wonderful job for me uh, but anyway I uh, where
0: were we? Who knows? Like you,
1: easy to get off the subject.
0: Who, who cares, man? UFOs. It's um. <laughs> it's I got I got in touch with uh, Dr. Lynn Katai. I got in touch with oh, her yeah. yesterday. Yeah, she's going to uh, we're gonna talk in uh in February. She's super booked up, but we're gonna talk in February about the when we get closer to the 24th anniversary of the Phoenix Lights. We're gonna talk, because to me that one, is, the Phoenix Lights, to me is. I don't know maybe uh, now with the tic-tac to me that's one of the more you can't really look away from it right you can't just Uh oh it's military flares no it wasn't shut up right it's it's Fife Symington who was in the Air Force right and he was the governor at the time and he later said he goes I I think I don't don't think it was of this world right they say it was what a mile wide going slowly over the city and thousands of people called in and said it and I think one guy said, one guy was looking at it, and he was told by a friend, you saw the B-2 bomber, you're describing the shape of the B-2 bomber. And he said, no, you could land a fleet of B-2 bombers on the wings of this. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was the movie, I Know What I Saw? That's a great one. Um, by yeah. I think James Fox, Jamie yeah. Yeah,
1: he's got a new one out I haven't seen he, yet.
0: He just, yeah, it's... um it's called phenomena i I bought it on youtube like two weeks ago i have it and i haven't started it yet because when i sit down i want to sit down and enjoy it i don't want to rush it
1: i don't think the price is prohibitive i don't mean, it's not like five bucks or something like that. Oh yeah that.
0: yeah no yeah no it's awesome i have it i just i haven't i've been working on this podcast 24 7 i haven't had time to sit down and watch yeah. it
1: yet yeah i think i'll go ahead and get it and, and watch it yeah uh, especially since i'm Apartment bound, man.
0: Yeah, well, as we Manor. all as we all are, we,
1: we are. Of you know, course, I'm retired, and but I'm stuck up in this apartment, except when I go when uh, my son, daughter-in-law, and ten grandchildren.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
1: live, uh, they're about fifteen minutes away from me here in New Braunfels, and uh, I use I go there. Have dinner with them about once a week, yeah. But other than that, uh, that's all I all the going out I do except to uh go to the uh supermarket and then I just back into the curbside pickup and they come and load load the car with the stuff I ordered online, yeah. Uh, I'm just at my age, I I don't to get this stuff, yeah, yeah,
0: understandable.
1: Yeah, it's... It sure changed life. Yeah. Uh, do you... So do you... I f- had something that came to mind. Go ahead.
0: I was going to say Phoenix Lights, but... um, Yeah, it... It seems like if there's ever been a year for UFO disclosure, it seems like 2020 is it. Right? If there's ever been a time yeah. for something crazy, it feels like this is it.
1: Well there's something going on I mean why would the government have allowed yeah. the Navy to put out those film strips yeah um and let's talk about the Navy for a minute sure the Navy in the whole UFO question has been pure purely mum on it they don't talk about it. They don't acknowledge it. They never have. They, they But I know that they're involved in it. Uh, I know that when I lived in Virginia, which is on the Chesapeake Bay, it was about 25 miles uh, as a bird flies from where I lived on the bay to Patuxent Naval Air Station, which is the Navy's chief Test Flight Center, and I've been on that base uh, when I was selling to the military, and they had a building that was enclosed in double rows of wire, barbed wire, mm-hmm. or wire fence, and it was uh, that. What's that stuff that they have on top of these things? I can't remember the terms they use. Uh, um, I don't. I have, I have no idea. Stuff that'll tear you backside up real quick. Okay,
0: all right. Barbed wire?
1: <laughs> no, it's not barbed wire. It's a, a lot worse than barbed wire. Ray, razor wire? Constantino- Constantino-
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But uh, anyway, and I was told that how accurate this is, but I was told by the civilians that I was working with that that building was all devoted to all UFO research. Oh shit! Uh, and it's and it's. I think the Navy has been more involved in it than even the Air Force. They, but boy, they are they good at it. it keeping yeah. stuff quiet yeah but you know, the Navy's had a lot of encounters with these things yeah over the over the years yeah since the second world war yeah uh uh it, seeing the things come into the, the ocean
0: yeah yeah did you uh did you watch did you watch the Bob Lazar interview on Joe Rogan
1: uh yes
0: yeah he talks about that yeah
1: yeah i, I can't remember you know bob Lazar is an interesting case when he first when he first came out and i found out that all of his college background was uh, apparently not true and then i just wrote him off but the years as the years have gone by uh his uh, uh he's become more and more of a real player to me than he was uh, and that his story may be completely true Uh, where I didn't think so. You know, I mean, my opinion, my position was how can you believe someone that lies about their education? Well, Lazar is obviously a very bright man, very, very bright man. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Did he lie about it? It certainly seems like he did. Again, Stanton Friedman did a whole lot of digging into his background, even his high school records, um, and found out that he graduated near the bottom of his high school class. And he went to a community college. Uh, well, obviously, somebody that has degrees from MIT and Caltech uh, wouldn't go to a community college. So, where the truth lies there, I don't know. But um, he, he very well could be, he's so bright, he very well could be self taught.
2: Yeah.
1: And, uh, Yeah. And maybe he's right. Maybe his uh, uh, college uh, education was erased from the various universities that he said he went to. I find that harder to believe. But uh, like I've said several times in this subject, you you don't (laughs) discredit anything, but you keep a skeptical. Skeptical mind, yeah. but he's become. I'm more willing to accept that he's basically on the level. That he's. I don't think he's a fraud. No. So neither do that's, I. I. That's my take on Lazar. Uh,
0: I. I could very well see him having lied about his colleges, but I don't look at that as i don't look at that as some like nefarious ufo cover-up i look at that as maybe that was just a dude lying to get a job you know i mean how many of my friends from college lied about some internship they did you know pad their resume i'm not saying it's right i'm just i'm not willing to throw out the baby with the bathwater because he does seem too wildly intelligent and two more things actually three more things one episode 11 of this podcast back in january ken mason who is a protege under the rocket pioneer Bob Chuax, who worked for the Navy. I had Ken Mason on. Ken is in his 60s now. Ken is friends with Bob Lazar. I didn't know that until like halfway through the episode, and he starts talking. Yeah, they used to go shoot off rockets in the desert. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, Bob's the smartest guy I know. Okay, so that's a weird one. Ken is also friends with Tom Moeller of SpaceX, so he's an intelligent guy. Two, um, didn't they find... Bob Lazar's name, Jeremy Corbell. Didn't he find Bob Lazar's name in a phone book from Los Alamos? Everything else. I know.
1: The... I know that Stanton Friedman did. Yeah, he found his name in there, but he worked for a contractor called E.G. and G. Something Clark, something. The, the, but anyway, that's uh, not important. But he worked uh, he worked for a subcontractor. He yeah. didn't work directly for the government, yeah. which in itself is not unusual. I think sure. that's probably what most of the employees out there sure. work for contractors, sure. uh, rather than the federal government.
2: Yeah, he
0: yeah he but, said he worked for E G N G, right? Uh, I cannot remember what it stands for. Ed, Edgar, was was Germishausen and Greer. I can never remember it, but they were the guys. But, what? E.G.N.G. What? what are you asking? What E.G.N.G. was?
1: Something Clark, something Clark. Well, not Clark.
0: I don't. I don't know. It's, um. Yeah, but he said he worked for E.G.N.G. E.G.N.G. is also the company that was headed up with all of the uh, super slow motion videography of the of the Trinity test and the subsequent first A-bomb tests. So they were given the highest clearance because they managed to make a camera that did like a million frames a second in 1945. So, I mean, if they're... I mean, go back to Manhattan Project. If EG&G was given that clearance to, hey... you're And and they specifically, Annie Jacobson talks about this, said EG&G was specifically given uh, a kind of a monopoly on that because they wanted it to be with only one company because they didn't want it leaking out. And apparently EG&G had just... They were the most, they had it, they had all their, their all the cracks sealed. They had their company, you know, run like a military base. And so that's why they were given, I guess, freedom to do all the photography of the A-bomb, which is just insanely classified. Maybe it makes, a little, again, speculation, maybe it makes a little sense that E G N G would have something to do with crash retrievals. But the third thing I want to bring up was Commander Fravor, who was also on Joe Rogan, Commander Fravor um, he talks about meeting with Bob Lazar when he was on the Lex Friedman podcast. He talks about when he and Bob talked. He said he completely believes Bob. And this is the fighter pilot that chased the yeah. Tic Tac. He goes, I believe Bob. He goes, Bob is wildly intelligent. I think he's telling the truth. So, it's like if I'm gonna believe Fravor, then I have to take his word on his judgment of Lazar. You know?
1: I... Uh, uh, uh. Uh, that also somewhere read it somewhere saw it somewhere that favor did say that and that's what sort of shoved me over the fence into yeah. believability me too that favor said that yeah i also have on a friend acquaintance uh a movie maker documentary maker that lives in uh in palm springs And he was making a documentary on UFOs, Um, a couple of different ones, I think. In any case, he tells me that he was at a dinner with Stan Friedman and Bob Lazar. Okay. And he said that Lazar, he believes Lazar is on the level. Yeah. After listening to it, now, he didn't convince Stan apparently. Cause, yeah, uh, Stan went to his grave still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty lazar But
0: uh, which is good. Uh, I think it's good to always have, always stay skeptical. Which is, you know,
1: well, you know, you got to be a skeptic. If you believe everything,
0: yeah, you're done.
1: You're in big time trouble. Yeah, you got to be a skeptic and really look at things closely and analyze them. Yeah. Uh, I had a friend of course this is in the book also uh, I had a friend that was older than me by about 15 years I guess and uh, at that time I lived in a little village uh, suburb of Richmond, Virginia uh, Sandston and uh, this friend I met him when he came and opened up a newly built Sunoco service station and I was uh, enamored with cars at the time Mm -hmm. uh, along with UFOs and uh, so this guy was a really likable guy he was a big guy but Six three, six four, built like a, a brick, you know what house
2: Brick shit house.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he had been a judo instructor. Oh yeah. In the air force. And his name was Doug Locke. And uh, so he would tell me about his experiences uh Instructing pilots in judo and hey, came about that happened. He he went into the air force and he had worked on a tobacco farm. His family owned a tobacco farm, he had worked on a tobacco farm. I don't know if you know anything about raising tobacco, but it's tough work. I mean, it's hard,
2: yeah,
1: bat breaking work. And he, uh, he was solid as a rock, anyway. He goes into the air force and in basic training you know you always got some smart alecks and doug had a southern south side virginia draw
2: yeah well,
1: i guess you know i people accuse me of the way i talk some people think i'm from canada but i'm from i'm talk like everybody in central <laughs> virginia anyway doug uh, Had a little problem because he wasn't quick tempered, but when people kept nagging at him, he didn't think too kindly of it and he'd take action. And there were a few guys in his unit that had broken jaws because they had made fun of the way he talked. Yes. And so. This order came down from, uh, Curtis LeMay through, uh, his adjutant, I think General Thomas
2: Powell,
1: mm-hmm. uh, to various air force bases that they needed 24 men to go to Japan to mm-hmm. be trained by this famous, uh, Japanese Judo instructor. Mm-hmm and uh, he, his commanding officer called him in he said lock i've got uh, i got a job for you i think you'll like i think you'll fit into it very naturally yeah. and he told him he wanted him to volunteer
0: volunteer <laughs> yeah.
1: and be instructed in judo yeah. well he liked the idea yeah and he did and he came back as a black belt in judo now, built on the fact that this guy was strong as an ox to begin with the days of judo instructors.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, but anyway, cut this long story short. Okay. I was—I had read, and I think I was a junior in high school at the time, 1960, I guess, was. And uh, I had read Donald Kehoe's, a couple of Donald Kehoe's, Books, flying saucers are real flying saucers from little space whichever and I was fascinated with the subject and reading Kehoe's books are what really got me turned on to the subject at 17 years old so I was a little leery to bring it up with Doug because I was sure that he'd say oh you stupid kid you believe in that kind of stuff yeah Uh, It's nothing to it. So I finally steeled myself and told him I'd read this book about flying saucers and a little bit about it. And he stopped me and he said, Larry, it's all real. And I did a double take. What do you mean, Doug? He said, when I was teaching judo, you know, I was stationed in El Paso at uh, Big Force Base." And he said, uh, "I instructed students from bigs and surrounding air bases, and one of the prominent bases that came here was it uh, Roswell Army Airfield mm-hmm. I think the I forget what the official name of it was, but anyway Roswell Army Airfield and he said, But the pilots uh, from Roswell and other bases." would tell me about uh being in the sky with these disc-shaped objects and it just scared the hell out of them because he they knew they couldn't do anything to uh, these things acted like nothing they'd ever seen before yeah and they knew that if they wanted to uh, do away with them they could do it in a heartbeat yeah so and he said larry these were brave guys yeah. some of them had actually flown in the second world war Yeah. but he said most of them were korean war pilots, brave guys but he said what they saw obviously just scared the hell out of them
2: yeah
1: um uh, so that I wrote that in the book, and that's that's what really got me believing that they were real. I've done. Doug passed away at a young age. He uh, he never smoked, but he died of lung cancer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He was also an electrician, and he did a lot of work in the shipyards, uh, Norfolk Shipyard, and I think Philadelphia, uh, removing asbestos wow. and electric lines out of these ships and uh, he got lung cancer from asbestos poisoning mm-hmm. and I think he died at uh, he was about 48 or 49 when he died but uh, so I did a background search and just to verify that if I was going to write a look, I wanted, yeah. I didn't doubt him. I'm sure the story was true, but I just wanted backup and, um, uh, contacted the air force, whatever office that is. And, uh, said that I'd like his military records. And, uh, I was written back to a lady wrote back to me and said <clears throat> we're sorry but uh, Airman Locke's uh, records were destroyed in a warehouse fire uh, the records from so, uh, letter so and so to letter so and so which he was in the middle of were all destroyed well I knew that I'd heard that there had been a big warehouse air force fire in fact, it's documentaries made of it on television. I believe, sure. where a lot of these records were lost. But she said, uh, anyway, we can't unless you're a family member. We can't divulge, but so much information. She said. So I'll send you what I have here. Uh, we, are, I'm allowed to do that, and I got it in the mail, and it was just a uh, sheet that said that when he was inducted into the Air Force, uh, when he left the Air Force, uh, the timeline, which was right in that 1949 to 1953, uh, or 48 to 50, 52 uh, timeline, Um and where he was stationed, which was uh, Biggs Air Force Base, Fort uh, Bliss, Texas, Uh, what unit he was in, uh, what his grade was, and uh, so forth. It didn't say that he was a Judo instructor. It didn't go into any details of what his uh, MOS was. But uh, anyway, so I had that back up that, showed that he was exactly what he said he was
2: mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> except what his occupation was so uh, I knew that but anyway I think that's a that's a telling bit of information that uh, he gave me uh, he had no reason to do that and the one thing that he never did was lie yeah uh, he was he was a straight shooter so uh and he was a good guy, a friend, and I liked him a lot. Yeah. so he had no reason to tell me that. He had every reason not to tell me, I guess
2: yeah
1: so that's uh, that's just another uh, verification to me that Roswell was a uh, an extraterrestrial event yeah uh, that these uh, and you can imagine a pilot being trained in Judo. Would tell, even though he was told never to discuss these things, which I think they probably were. That is conceivably one type of person they would talk to. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's uh uh just another piece of the uh, the Roswell puzzle.
0: Yeah, it start it, it. Yeah, there's there's so many pieces that. Hold on. Larry, do you care if I run to the restroom again? I've drank like four water bottles since we started the no,
1: podcast. No, 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 I'm fine. All right.
0: Feel free to monologue. Hey, t- tell everyone Tell everyone where they can buy
1: your book. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. He said, uh, for all of you that are watching, uh, here's the book, The Presence in UFOs, uh, Sacred History from uh obama to uh or from uh fdr to obama uh it's available uh on amazon uh, and uh the forward is uh by stanton friedman uh nu- nuclear physicist uh and uh, ufo researcher stanton friedman uh who uh, i became good friends with uh, uh, through the uh, Roswell UFO Museum uh, which I was invited to attend as a speaker and lecturer in 2011 and uh, Stan was always there until he passed away a year and a half ago I guess it's been Um, um, good friend Good to talk to. Uh, uh, he and uh, his uh, associate uh, Kathy Martin were there, and uh, Kathy's also a good friend of mine. Uh, we're talking about the book and uh, Stanton Friedman and uh, who wrote the forward to the book
2: and yeah.
1: and, and uh, what have you, and uh, they that they can. Uh, they can get it at, uh, Amazon, yeah. uh, and bookstores, but probably they'd have to order it through a, through a bookstore, which yeah. isn't any big deal itself. Yeah. Amazon works quite well.
0: Yeah. And yeah, I, I got it on Audible. It's a, yeah, great, great listen on Audible. Um, yeah, it, uh.
1: The only trouble with the, uh, Audible version is, uh. They didn't have the they didn't have the introduction which is disappointing because the introduction really sets sets the groundwork for the book okay it goes into robert Emmenager, who was really i found out about who had made the uh tv documentary which i think is one of the best uh ufos past present and, and future. future yeah in the 1970s, and uh, so I touch on that and some other things that sort of sort of establishes the uh, the groundwork for the book. But they chose not to have not to have the forward in there. So anyway, yeah, yeah that's that. they're doing. Yeah, for everyone listening or yeah. watching. Yeah, um, yeah, I held it. I have.
0: One. Okay, yeah. okay. Okay. I okay. Okay. Good. Good. Um. Good. um <sighs> Do you think that... I was going to say another thing about Roswell is... Well, what I, was, what I was getting to before I went to the restroom is it kind of seems like... This is a kind of a weird example, but Lockheed Martin, they built, they built one boat back in like the 90s or 2000s. It was called the Sea Shadow. And um, it kind of looked like the F-117 as a boat. And uh, the radar cross-section was so low that the navy actually didn't use it because when they you know when they do radar tests the radar would the radar was so strong it would pick up like all the choppiness of the waves except for where the sea shadow was so you could actually find it in a weird in like an ironic way the stealth was so good that it was actually too good because you'd see this like empty square and it was okay that's the sea shadow it almost seems you could, like...
1: You could, see, you could see the imprint in the water. You couldn't yeah. see the crab, but you could see yeah. the imprint in the water.
0: Yeah, so it kind of cancels itself out. It's a really cool ship. But point being is with that, it kind of seems like that's how I see like the UFO subject. You just have to look at like the waves and all the noise of everything, and you can kind of see... You can't see the thing, but you can see the absence of it, Right. You can see yeah. generals and presidents saying, I can't get access, or, you know, that's where the file ends, or was it a McDonald, you know, I'm getting close, I'm on the paper trail. Like it's, there are all these things and they kind of stop right there. But there's been enough from enough angles over enough decades that although none have penetrated, you can almost start to paint this thing by process of elimination. And it does seem like there is some. There's some monolithic group or committee or group of corporations or something, but there does seem to be this core that no one can get in, but it absolutely seems like, okay, well, that has to be it. That has to be UFO technology. Like That's how I look at it. It's sort of this, this black hole, but nonetheless, it seems like that's where it is, right? You can just find little crumbs throughout the decades, not a lot, little tiny crumbs like Truman said UFOs given that they exist are not created by any power on this planet like why would he say that why would uh who was it MacArthur or was it Jimmy Doolittle who said that the the Foo Fighters of World War II the little balls of light he said that they're interplanetary craft MacArthur said that uh MacArthur said that World War Three. well not the Einstein quote World War 3 will be fought with nuclear weapons and uh, World War 4 will be sticks and stones MacArthur said World War 3 will be interplanetary craft and he yeah. set up the interplanetary not a lot of people know this MacArthur set up the interplanetary uh, craft identification committee I think it's and that was General Douglas MacArthur like these aren't no name kooks right like it does seem to be that there's this just I don't know you can't see it but it's by its absence you can see it does that make sense
1: Mm mm-hmm
2: yeah Yeah.
1: it yeah I yeah yeah, MacArthur certainly made those statements and he he didn't have to and I don't know why he would have made them if he didn't have inside knowledge Uh, on the other hand he was MacArthur I guess said a lot of things that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> yeah. worked his, that, that he saw would work to his advantage. So, yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I, he, he certainly wasn't one of Roosevelt's favorite no. generals. No. Um, Truman fired him. Huh? Truman fired him. Yeah. And Truman fired him. Um, uh, so um, you know, I don't know. Um, there's no question George Marshall knew a lot of Um He was the one that wrote kept Roosevelt mm-hmm. informed. Um, but here again, General Marshall was the same as Eisenhower, maybe even worse as far as security matters go. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some reason uh which he never understood understood Marshall's just scared the hell out of his subordinates
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he, he never he really i don't think he ever understood it even know that he did it but he did yeah he was uh i think i think in my opinion uh strictly my opinion i think uh if you look at the all the great people in the 20th century that uh george marshall is at the top of my list okay i think that i think that he's his leadership uh i I just wonder what would happen in the second world war if it hadn't been for for george marshall but uh I think his leadership was outstanding. He certainly saved Patton's side. Yeah. Uh, probably a number of times because he really loved Patton. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: Why I don't know because they were two totally different individuals. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in any case, uh, let's see, what have we? Uh,
0: what have we not covered here? We so what I was gonna say is um I was gonna say yeah let's uh let's I got one more yeah topic to hit on let's hit on that and then do and and then we'll wrap this one up. I would love to have you on a second time. It's my parents are downstairs and they said that their internet's not working, so I have to help them. So we can do this one for a little while longer. To my dismay, but um, yeah. <laughs> it's is. Do you think that? And this is pure speculation time. Do you think that we found anything or saw anything on the moon during the Apollo program?
1: I think it's very possible. Yeah. I think it's it's very, very possible. Um we went back I questioned back up
2: here.
1: <laughs> I question the fact that uh, when we got there, got on the moon, Neil Armstrong was all and saw extraterrestrials crashed and in some way we were warned, warned off. off. Yeah. Why did we go back? We went back. Well, that was 11 and we went back through 17. 17. You know, why did we, if they, if we had extraterrestrials telling us to get, get the hell out of here, off of here, why did we keep going back? Uh, now, there could be a lot more to that story. Uh, maybe they didn't wave us off. Yeah. Uh, maybe they did want us to come back. Yeah. I, I, you know I, here again it's just sure so much speculation sure. in this and so much that the government covers up yeah um uh, but uh, I, I think it's I think it's possible uh that we that we saw something I think that we probably have photographed things on the dark side of the moon um uh, and if there are if there is one or more extraterrestrial bases on the moon, it would certainly be on the dark side, sure, but we couldn't see it or them um, but uh yeah, I think there I think that we've got artifacts on the moon, and I think we've seen artifacts on Mars,
0: yeah, I mean, you have Buzz Aldrin saying the moon of Mars, right? Phobos. Yeah. there's a monolith. That's Buzz Aldrin, right? That's not That's not a nobody. Yeah. He's saying we have some... I was thinking, yeah, so what if we went up on Apollo 11 and they told us we were warned off? Why would we keep going? To me, it's like, because we're humans. <laughs> we're going to keep going until they try to kill us. Like, you know, when have we stopped doing anything?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we... You know, at one point... In the in in the I guess late forties early fifties, our pilots were told to shoot the things down.
2: Yeah, yeah, which is a and death they war. tried to
1: yeah, and it didn't work very well for some of those pilots. Yeah, they were never seen again.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean, who's the Iranian pilot, J- Jafaris?
1: Mm, the F- yeah yeah the the general.
0: The Iranian... It wasn't a
1: general then? but... Yeah,
0: the, the guy, the Paris Jafari is the one who flew the F-4 Phantom in Iran, or Te- Tehran. But yeah, I mean, there are... It's, he
1: tried to launch a weapon against Yeah, and it locked it up. Yeah. Took yeah. All of his uh, instruments. He tried to fire a missile, and it it just locked up. Yeah. Well, he turned tail and got away from there, in a Yeah. Hurry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's...
1: Yeah, I, and you got the Mantell case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's. I think that case was. He probably was looking at a skyhook balloon, but I don't know that for a fact. Skyhook balloons were a secret back yeah,
2: then. Absolutely, yeah.
1: And they were odd-looking things.
0: They were weird. Yeah,
1: big and and flattened out yeah. when they got. It high altitude so I think it conceivably could have been you know back in that time uh, that could be what he was now uh, as far as Roswell goes I, I, I laugh at all of these film strips when they're talking about Roswell and what crashed in Roswell and they show skyhook balloons being launched well, Roswell the, the balloons, the weather balloons that they used, they didn't use skyhook balloons. Yeah, and they didn't use skyhook balloons in Project Mogul. I think they may have, toward the end of that project, they may have used a skyhook balloon or two. But typically, when they when Project Mogul started, it was a daisy chain of weather balloons.
2: Yeah,
1: with radio equipment attached to them. Yeah and the radio equipment was pure military and all the military numbers on it uh, everything i was i was in the national guard for eight years and i was head of the radio section that flew radio control aircraft targets and i know that all the radio equipment we used back then had vacuum tubes Mm -hmm. and all of the devices were clearly labeled u.s army yeah uh u.s government all uh, military green and, and mm-hmm. if if it had been a skyhook balloon that had crashed to jesse marcel senior that material would have been evident i mean it it would have been right there if it was, if it was a skyhook balloon. It would be clear that it was radio equipment <clears throat> with uh, that was attached to the uh, daisy chain of balloons. Yeah. On top of that, Marcel Senior was an amateur radio operator. Yeah. He was a ham. Yeah. And involved in
0: in uh... an MD, right?
1: Hmm?
0: And an MD. Was it Marcel that was the MD as well?
1: Junior was an MD. Okay, okay. His dad, Marcel Sr., is the one that, you know... Crashed. ...was the um, head of intelligence... Yeah. ...for the uh, 509 Farm Group in Roswell. And he's the one that went to the crash site. Um, So he would have recognized... Yeah. uh, ...radio equipment from a... From a project mogul immediately. Yeah. Um... No question about it. So uh, that's just you know one of the many stories that come out of Roswell that just don't make any sense. That it was a Mogul balloon. It wasn't a Mogul balloon.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's do you need help?
1: No,
2: I
0: need to plug in here.
1: Okay, hold on. If you gotta go, uh, Bob,
0: do you need help? no i don't think she does right now um mm-hmm. you no, okay yeah 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 no we're we're good we're good um i was gonna say it's what roswell parties Jafar. it's the other thing and is it locked up can you can you hear me larry larry